as I was praying about this, it's National Youth Day, I thought, you know, I want to do something that I think is, is impactful for the youth, that touches them where they're at, but you don't want to exclude anybody, right? And so I'm praying about this, and I said, okay, God, I want to throw something out here. I want you to give me something that we can give to the people that is going to be relevant to all of us. And, you know, the first thing that came to mind is, is James 1.4. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And because I'm one of those guys, I like to look at multiple translations of the Bible. I've got a couple other versions of this, and I want to point out some things as we run through this quickly. The NIV says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then the Young's literal translation says, and let the endurance have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire in nothing lacking. And I think that last one is very an important distinctive because when you say you don't lack anything, you know, you kind of get the, a different impression than when you say, in nothing lacking. For me, when I hear that phrase, in nothing lacking, it means that God has got it all taken care of. And he proved that this morning, amen? So what does it mean to be perfect? Because they see that patients have her perfect work, that you may be perfect. I'm not perfect. I can't be perfect, and I hope nobody expects me to be, because it, it's not going to be pretty. Um, God did not create any of us to be that way. But in the world's eyes, we look at perfection. And this is where I'm thinking more of our youth, because they've got a lot of pressure today. And, you know, they deal with a lot of things that you and I didn't deal with. We didn't have to deal with because stuff wasn't around. But we still experience pressure no matter what area of life you're in. You get it from your peers, people you work with, money. Do we have the things that our neighbors have? Do we, do we keep up with the Joneses? Style. You know, when, when you're young, I know when I was in high school, it was all about style. Uh, you know, I had to be matching what everybody did. I had to have my own thing. I kind of had, you know, you know how we are. We blend it, right? I don't think that changes as we get older. I just think we do it differently. Uh, you know, but you've got that. So you have social pressure today. And it's worse today than ever because with social media, you've got 24-7 pressure. Um, now, I'm not on Facebook. I, you know, whether you feel about it one way or the other, I don't have time for it. So to me, it's, it's you know, I'm lucky if I catch my text messages. But I know some people, they're on it all the time. And for our young people especially, it can be a serious source of pressure and, and problem with cyberbullying and different things. Career decisions, right, as adults. How many of us have had pressure with that and maybe still have pressure at work with that? We have pressure in our relationships from our parents, from our peers, from our children. We kind of get hit from all sides. And under pressure, a lot of things can happen. We have rash actions. We have rash words. Things break. And I don't know how many of you have been around a broken relationship. I dare say that even under pressure, institutions can break. If you want to look at a great example, look at the state of marriage in this country, and not just in the divorce rate. You know, there are a lot of things that biblically just are not right that are being allowed in this country right now. Bottom line, you don't have to agree with me, you don't have to like it, but you know, you're arguing with scripture when you do. There are some things that we just are not doing in this country that, that we should be doing, and speaking up for God's word is one of them. You know, we have transformation, though, that also comes under pressure. Because, you know, God is faithful. He never leads you into a place where he's not going to give you a way out. I hear a lot of people saying, you know, I just long for the days of peace when everything just seemed like it worked. And what you're looking for is you're looking for that mountaintop experience where you're up on the mountain, you get a great view, everything looks wonderful, you feel that tranquility. But, you know, the odd thing about it is nothing grows on the mountaintop. You ever think about that? It grows down in the valley. And even though we don't like those times when we go through that valley, God has to allow us to go through those so that we can come out on the other side equipped to do his work. 
If you look in nature, he gives us some examples of this. With transformation, you know, a little piece of carbon, you know, coal, whatever, under the right circumstances, what does that turn into with a lot of pressure? It becomes a diamond, right? And it takes a long time, it takes a lot of pressure. You see the same thing, though, in nature with any kind of rock, sandstone or granite, okay? I used to love geology, kind of thought about doing that when I was a kid. One holds up under pressure, one doesn't. As a kid, I used to think it was fun because I'd take a piece of sandstone and I'd try and show off for the girls in elementary school. And if you're lucky, you get one of your buddies involved who's not really aware of what you're doing. You pick up this little piece of sandstone, right, and then you take up a really hard rock from the playground. You give the hard rock to your friend. And then you go up to the girl you're trying to impress and you say, I'm super strong and I'm stronger than this guy. Watch, because I bet I can crush this rock. Well, you've got this little piece of sandstone, right? They don't know what you've got. So you give it this big, mighty Superman thing. You crush it, and boom, there's this little pile of powder coming out. Oh, she's really impressed. You try it. You know, and there's your friend, right? He's squeezing for all he's worth. Nothing's happening. You're kind of bragging on yourself. And then you have to go with your next strategy, which is run like a squirrel, because at that point, your friend's chasing you because he knows what happened. Yeah. But those are the things that happen, right? You know, under pressure, one breaks, one doesn't. A scripture points this out. Look at this. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. It says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on a rock. And everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and its fall was great. That idea of if you do what I tell you to do is what the whole thing hinges on because God makes it very plain in his word what he wants and what he expects. We have to ask ourselves, based on the pressure around us, based on where we're at in life, do we choose to do that or do we not? The idea of biblical perfection, remember, let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect. God's not looking for us to be perfect in the Old Testament sense where you had to have everything lined up just right Everything had to be without spot or blemish. You know, if you go back and you look, the whole reason he got away from the law, right, and why grace is so wonderful today is because nobody could live up to that standard of perfection. God had to send Jesus because we could never measure up. But what he's talking about with perfection is the process of maturity. You know, it's various applications of growth. It's our mental, it's our moral character. It doesn't mean perfection without fault. Here was kind of a newsflash for me that God gave me. You never arrive. You know, you always want to think of that place. It's like, when I get to this point, I will arrive. When I get to this house, when I get to this thing, it's never going to happen because as soon as you get there, there's always something else you see that you want. If you're walking in the natural, you're never going to be where you need to be. It doesn't happen. And spiritually, you never arrive until we get to the other side of glory because until that time, God is always growing us. His mercies are new every morning. That means there's something new to learn every morning. Amen? But that learning comes through patience, and it's a process. And I'll make this quick. But when I look at the idea of patience, and again, I'm thinking about, you know, kind of this idea about transformation, about stones, about diamonds, and I got to thinking about facets. You know, if you ever look at a, you know, maybe an engagement ring or some kind of a precious stone, right? The jeweler cuts it, and they put these little facets, these little angles on it. And the thing that's amazing is you can look at it and turn it in all these different directions, and you don't get the same view at any of them. But it all makes up one whole. And I kind of think about patience as that same way, and I think God walks us through it scripturally 
kind of where we start and where we end with it. Now think about when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a growth process, the first thing we have to look at is our thoughts. You know, Joyce Meyer did a book, Battlefield of the Mind, uh, a few years back, and for those of you who have read it, it, it's very true. One of the first places that the devil wants to attack us is in our thoughts. You know, anxiety, fear, discouragement, whatever it might be. You know, if it's pressure from your friends, if it's pressure from whatever it might be. In Proverbs 16.3, God tells us, commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. So that's the first place we have to start. We have to look at it and say, okay, the works that I do, the things I do with my hands, the things I do in my heart, are they committed to God? If they're not, it's an easy fix. You know, you pray and you ask him, God, how can I do this? But that has to be where it starts because our thoughts are going to be, that's kind of like guiding us where we need to go, right? Because as a man thinks in his heart, right, so is he. So, you know, it kind of starts here. After our thoughts get established, we move into direction, right? Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I will tell you this, and I found this out from personal experience. If you will spend time doing it God's way, you will get where you need to be so much faster than if you try and do it yourself. You know, because God is going to direct your steps. We were studying in class downstairs this morning, looking back at the Old Testament again with the children of Israel. God used them as an example to the nations, whether they were willingly following him or not. And whether it was you are a good example or you are a bad example, they were serving God in everything they did. That's no different today for the rest of us. We're either being a good example or we're not, but we are somehow serving in one capacity or another. The thing is we want to make sure our direction lines up with God's. That moves us into time. In Mark 9.23, Jesus said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Once you feel God's calling in your life, once you feel that tug and he's leading you in a direction, it may not happen overnight. If you're praying for healing, if you're praying for a financial breakthrough, if you're praying for a loved one, you may not see that result the very next morning. Now, you may, and we should expect it, that it's going to happen instantly. But if it takes time, we don't lose faith. We don't lose heart. We keep walking in that path, knowing that all things are possible to him who believes. That time develops a sense of constancy and steadfastness within us. In Proverbs 23, it says, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Through that process of constancy, it takes us into that next step of wisdom. Proverbs 15:22: Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors they are established. When we feel that call, when we feel that leading and we're waiting, whatever it may be, don't be afraid to seek out your other brothers and sisters in Christ that you consider to be stronger in their walk or maybe further along in their walk than you. Number one, they'll be honored and glad to pray for you because all of us want to be useful for God, amen? We want to do things that God wants done. When you have somebody come up and say to you, I would really love it if you would pray for me on this. Absolutely. That is fantastic. That, that's the check mark on the day right there that, yes, okay, I was available. God used me. That's great. It's awesome. That's what we all want. So don't be afraid to reach out to people. You know, so many times when we're under pressure, we want to keep it all hidden inside. That's what the devil wants. Because when you've got it all walled off and you keep everybody out, it's not that you're keeping everybody out, you're keeping yourself in. You need to be able to step past that wall and reach out. Let others help you. It's not a bad thing. In that reaching out and in that gaining of wisdom and in that gaining of good counsel, it moves us into assurance. 
Jeremiah 29, 11, very familiar passage. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You know, if you're in that spot where you just haven't felt like you've had much hope, you don't know what the future holds for you, you can trust in God because he does. And he'll tell you. If you spend time with him in prayer, he will reveal his will to you every time. Every time. And knowing that God is faithful, it gives us the final aspect, which is hope. In John 14, we see, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. You know where I am going, and I love this, and you know the way. Our God is good. All the time. He doesn't hide it from us. He doesn't make it hard. We make it hard in ourselves. You know, when God is saying, if you come to him with faith like a little child, he's not saying, if you didn't get saved when you were young, then the deal's off. He's saying, come to me with that childlike expectancy that if I tell one of my kids something, they don't question it. Dad said this is the way it is. Okay. God says for us to come the same way to him because he's faithful and because he loves us. We've already seen examples of that this morning. I guarantee you there are people leaving here today that are not leaving the same. And that's entirely because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's not because of anything I'm doing. It's not because of anything the worship team is doing. That is all God. And I'll tell you another secret. God doesn't only do that in here on Sunday morning. Amen. He is the ultimate example of the 24-7 worker. Because he will go wherever you're at. He meets you where you are. And he will take care of whatever mess you have. All the time, guaranteed. And we'll just close with that. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for this day. I thank you for the opportunity, Father, to witness your goodness, Lord. To be a part of that today, God, to see you changing people's lives. Lord, that's what it's all about. God, I thank you so much for these youth that they were up here today using the gifts you've given them, God, what you've impressed on their hearts, Lord. I don't say it lightly when I say I was very impressed. And I see an amazing love for you in their hearts, God, that's a great example to the rest of us. Father, my prayer for them would be that as a church, we would come together around them, lift them up and support them, God, in the things you are calling them to do. And that we would be there for them when they need us, that we would support them and that they would know the love of Christ is here for them, God, through all of us. Lord, for the rest of us, God, I just ask that you would continue to meet us where we're at, Lord, and to bring us where you are, to take us where you want us to be. Help us to grow in that grace, God, and to be open and responsive to your leading, Father. Help us to step out of the way and to walk in your way, Father. God, I praise you for this day, Lord. I thank you so much, God, for the people that are here. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring us all back together in fellowship again in the next opportunity, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.